Welcome to the 140th episode of the Mostly Soccer Podcast. Today is February 17th, 2021 at 6.43 p.m. sharp. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and today I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy what? I had fully intended to just be Jimmy Valentine, and then I realized that we have completely passed Valentine's Day by the time we were going to record this. So I have no other plan. I'm going to stick with it. I'm here to give you a late Valentine present which is this wonderful episode you are listening to right now. Uh, and if you got that for Valentine's Day, you got to leave. Wrong. You got to end that relationship <laughs> right there. Sever ties. Don't yeah. speak to them, excommunicate them, be done with them. Yeah, did we have any games on Valentine's Day? When was Valentine's Day? Sunday? Sunday. Yeah, we had games. Uh, I don't we even had remember. Games, man, I we tried, had oh, games. Did we have games? We had the game of games, Arsenal and Leeds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Finally a game that lived the up to the of billing. Games. <laughs> A game that was uh, actually fun for the first time in a long time, but we'll get to it. Uh, today, Jimmy, I got us on a timer that I'm going to start right now. We've been going too long lately. Yep. 45 minutes. We got to cut out the BS. I feel like we've been trying to. We haven't been hitting every team. We've just been touching on the teams we want to talk about. And we still go so long every time. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to we're going to try. We're really going to try today. We're going to be concise. Uh, so where do you want to start? Because we had Champions League come back this week, only a few games. Uh, we have Europa League coming up, which everyone is clamoring about. Everyone loves the Europa League, biggest tournament in the history of tournaments, uh, aside from the oh. FA Cup last year. Aside um, <laughs> from the FA Cup last year. Last, last year specifically. <laughs> uh, we had Premier League matches. Was there anything at the top you wanted to talk about? Any nonsense? I don't really have much nonsense. I do want to say um, I recommend people watch the the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. Very fun. Very good. Well, not fun. Fun's the wrong word, but very interesting. I enjoyed it. Um, I want to say to you, I'm watching Succession, which you've told Ooh. me the two years. So, Love Succession. Um, How you three episodes it so far? It's good. It's very good. I'm three episodes and I'm enjoying it. It's right up my alley, I think, which is why I probably should have watched it a long time ago. Right. Um, um, yeah, that's amazing. But I don't have much nonsense, Michael. Unless you have some nonsense, I really don't have any. No, I just want to go get mad and play Warzone. Yeah, I, I wonder... mean, I, I was going to tell you, like, we got to do this quick so we can play some games. <laughs> Especially because I got to drop something off after this, so I need, like, half hours. So we could bang this oh, out. All right, all right. So we can get to the Warzone sooner. If you play Warzone and you follow us and you listen to the podcast, let us know. And we'll run you yeah. in Warzone. Absolutely. We'll crash, <laughs> Except crash, Jimmy. Crash, crash, right to the building. Jeez. I've been so much better. I don't want to hear it. I've passed. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, found my form over the holiday season. <laughs> compared to your brother, you're decent. <laughs> so. That's a very low standard. That's like saying compared to West Brom, you're decent. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, I think we should start Champions League just because yeah. we just had a few matches. We only have a few things to say. I know today Juventus lost uh, mm-hmm. to Porto, right? Yep, Porto 2-1 victory over Juventus. Yeah, and then we had Sevilla lose to Dortmund. Holland had a brace, said he was inspired by Mbappe's hat trick against Barcelona. Yep. Uh, but what I really want to talk about is that Barcelona-PSG match where we saw Kylian Mbappe just take over and torment <laughs> Barcelona. 
He ended Barcelona. <laughs> I feel like Barcelona, Barcelona have been has, dead. They've been dead, but like he he like fully like this was the if you had any doubt that Barcelona were dead, there is no more doubt. He put the extra bullet in the head. They're mm. done. <laughs> it's uh it's always sad. I mean, like, I'm kind of a Barcelona fan. I'm kind of a PSG fan. I like watching both teams play. Uh, I'll root for both of them in their respective leagues. It's just sad to see, like, some, like, Uncle Andy texting me is like, PK needs to retire. Oh, like, PK. that's sad to me. I uh, PK was one of the greatest defenders I've watched playing the game growing up. And now just to see, like, when you're just a step or two behind it, you cannot compete with guys like that. This this team is not a good team. Like, there's a lot of flaws in this team. Um, and here's the thing: all these players are good players. Like, like if you look at someone like Frankie De Jong's a great, they're great players in a lot of ways. Dembele is so talented. Griezmann, we've seen what he's done in the past, but just they're just not good. It's just they're not good enough. This team is not good enough to compete at the highest level. Messi looks disinterested in some ways. Like he just he doesn't look like he doesn't look like himself. Like there's no way other way to say it. He still looks great. He scored a goal penalty in this game, but he doesn't look he doesn't look like Messi. I think yeah. is the best way you could say it. I mean, uh, I think over the weekend he scored like a phenomenal goal in La Liga. Yep. Um, but it's just he's being literally held prisoner, and one man can't stop a, a team with so many flaws. So uh, it's sad to see, but. The the question that I wanted to bring up to you was probably I've seen it a lot on the internet. Who would you rather have, Mbappe or Holland? I think it's a pretty easy answer, but I was gonna bring it up to you too because I don't think it's that easy of a question. I I think just in general, Mbappe is a better player. Uh, Holland is more of a straight up goal scorer, but I I think Mbappe could be dangerous playing in multiple positions. Yeah, it's a tough one, though. I don't think it's that straightforward. I really don't. I don't think it's that straightforward because I, I think of it like, so City obviously been linked strongly to Holland, and I think for, like, City, Holland is almost maybe more of an important buy than someone like Mbappe. Just a, he's, a, he's it's kind of almost, and it's like, do you want just a pure goal scorer? Mbappe is a great goal scorer, too. Don't get me wrong. But Holland is just, a, he, he's a machine. He's a true machine in front of goal. Mbappe, though, has the ability to take over a game, like take the ball from deep in midfield, pick it up there, and just drive through the whole team. It, it's, they're two incredible players. I don't think it, I, I understand why I think I saw a poll was like 66% Mbappe, and I get that. Um, the, the, but I almost I don't think it's that straightforward. I really think there's a lot of teams that would benefit more for having Erlen Holland in their team than having Mbappe in their team. Yeah, that's fair. I almost thought you would say that if I my original question before the podcast that I was thinking about was would you who would you rather have on City? And I think on City it's definitely Holland. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So I think so. I think for a lot of teams, or if you were just who's a singular better player, it is tough, but I, I think Mbappe. But anyways. TBD. They're both amazing. Let's yeah. just leave it there. They're both absolutely <laughs> incredible to be doing the things that they're doing at their age. Because I think people forget how young Mbappe is in particular, just because now he's been around for four years and we're used to it. They still forget that he's just still insanely young. Like, it, it, it really is insane yeah. just to well, see what they're doing. I mean, he, he's 22 years old. 
Like, Fun fact, we have the same birthday, Killian and Bappe and I, and he's a year younger than me and much more successful than me. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't feel great. Cool fun fact, but it doesn't feel great when I say that he's younger than me. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy. Get used to it. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Premier League. And we should probably start off with City because they just finished a match before we started podcasting. Yeah, We should also say to Liverpool, broke out of their funk, beat Leipzig 2-0 pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should say that, just to throw that in there. But over to the Premier League. Yes, City had a tough, what looked like, ended up being a pretty tough match today. Um, a 3-1 victory over Everton. Hard fought. First half, Everton pretty much played this the best way that they could possibly hope. Uh, they gave up a goal early to Phil Foden, directed goal in. Was on. It was going to be on goal, so given to him, but it was a deflection that let it in. And then they get a goal back after a really nice play. Good build up by Awobi, who I've been critical of, <laughs> but finds um, he he made a nice play. It comes across over to Luca Dean, who p- hits it perfectly on the half volley. Hits off the post, deflects off of Rich Allison, who had no idea that he'd <laughs> scored a goal, but off his knee into the goal. And it won one. And at that point, I was very frustrated that they had scored. And City looked a little off in the first half. I, I want to point out that the superstar, our 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 leader, <laughs> our captain, I, I feel like our king, Ilkay Gundogan, was out of this game. Um, had a slight groin injury. Did train. Looks like he'll be playing at the weekend, but was out of this game. But of course, everyone <laughs> for City will be back on the weekend. It's confirmed. I, actually true yeah. we'll talk about that later um but so city did not obviously didn't have good one didn't have De Bruyne in midfield looked a little off uh Everton were man mocking Foden and Bernardo Silva which were kind of just causing city some problems but in the second half about 15 minutes in or so city just kind of turned it up and you can see the pace pick up uh, beautiful play. Bernardo Silva leaves a nice little layoff to Riyad Mahrez, who hits just an absolutely beautiful strike that no one could stop. Scores a goal, and from there, City just looked determined to get another one, and in the 77th minute, Bernardo Silva scores a nice goal. Everton, I think, really played well, much better than they've played the last two matches where they've had the defeat to Newcastle and the uh, defeat to um, to uh, Fulham. Fulham. Yeah, they, they looked much better. They looked good in this match, but just City were too much for them. And that's been kind of the key for City lately is they are just rolling. Yeah, they, they are rolling through teams right now, and they just look like they're on a mission. That malaise that was there at the beginning of the season is gone. Um, I don't know if you want to roll right into it, but at the weekend they played Tottenham and beat them 3-0. Mm-hmm. And what was, to be honest with you, a much easier match than this Everton match was. It was Spurs created nothing. I was, I wanted to talk about that match, Michael, because I wanted. To, did you get a chance to see any of it? I saw the highlights, but I didn't get to. to I saw okay, Gundogan drop Davinson Sanchez <laughs> after an assist from Ederson, who was right. pissed earlier that he didn't get to take the penalty. I saw that he as well. He walked to midfield thinking he was going to get his chance to take it. Yep. That was the only letdown from this game, as we were robbed the chance to see Ederson take a penalty. But um, Gundogan again, two goals, just. An insane form. Nine goals in nine games since the start of the new year. Yeah. Um, just absolutely crushing it. Um, and what I wanted to say, though, is Spurs played so deep. Youngman's son was essentially playing as a left back in this game. 
And Sun is terrorizes me when they play when City play them. I am terrified of Sun. I think the world of him as a player, and he always finds a way to tear City up. He was playing so deep, he never had a chance to even counter in this game. And it just brings me to the point of like, I've said I think Jose can win them a trophy. I think they'll have a shot to beat City in the Carabao Cup, and maybe that's how he gets it. But if if they're gonna keep playing this way, he has to leave. This is this this was this was tough to watch. I'm happy. I was easy for me to watch. Yeah. But if I was a Spurs fan, I would be furious with how they lined up in this game. They they made very little. They were not lined up to be able to win this game. They just right. weren't. Yeah. I I mean the thing with Spurs and Jose Mourinho is you knew that they were always going to play like this. And when you play a team like Manchester City, uh, who Spurs have usually had success against, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even so, you expect them to sit back like this against a team like City and try and catch you on the counter. But when it doesn't work and you get scored on first, like the whole game plan for Jose Mourinho is scoring first. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't do that and you get punched in the mouth, then I don't really know what his game plan is after that. I Especially... Yeah, like like a team like City, what are you going to do if you get scored on first? And there's a high probability that you do. And uh, like you said, like you were about to say, I think he just doesn't have one. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I don't. I just don't think he does. I mean, this team is they they were poor. Um, Eric Lamella, I give him credit that he looked like the only one who had some fight in him. That he was willing to kind of get some fouls and push back. But he he's pretty i gotta say he's pretty damn awful like he's pretty bad he was just poor lucas is a shell of what he was two seasons ago he offers no threat in games mm-hmm. when i watch him play I, I just i'm not scared by him the the most threatening player really was suzoko when he came on and he's kind of not been playing much because him and jose apparently he's getting a little critical of Mourinho's style and hasn't it was dropped recently mm-hmm. but and Gareth Bale actually looked good when he came on, almost scored a goal. Someone else who's been, Jose's been very critical of him, both him and Deli Ali came off the bench. But I just, I was so unimpressed by Spurs that it, it didn't feel like that impressive of a victory for City. But City have been rolling. I mean, we've we've talked about it for weeks now. I'm very, very excited. I It's now 10 points clear with 24 matches played, only 14 to go. I feel, I never want to say I feel comfortable because I'm just <sighs> not that type of fan. My teams have always found a way to find a way to make it challenging, even though I've been very lucky with teams. They just don't make it easy on me. I think I think I think this season's done. I think City will win this league. I can't see mm. anything they don't at this point. And I don't want to I'm gonna jinx it, but I just really don't see a way now that they throw this away. So the I was thinking about this earlier and looking at the table, and I said, of all these teams, City and Leicester City are the only two that are convincing when I see them play. Like Both of those teams are clearly playing at a higher level than the rest of the pack. And even, But even saying that, it's like Leicester City could go out and lose any game, where City, you don't really expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my point here is that, who do you see? Like I know you just said you think it's a wrap, uh, and I'm inclined to agree with you, but if I had to pick someone who's the real challenger, it's not Liverpool anymore. No, it's um, not. It's Leicester, I think, is the only threat to City right now. I agree with you. It's probably Leicester. I don't buy United. Liverpool have thrown it away. The, the, those three losses in a row, they're out at this point. I mean, they have 40 points. They're 16 behind. That's an insane number. Could it happen? Sure. 
but they would need to go on such a run and City would need to have such a collapse. And the fact that City have been able to do this, specifically this recent run, without Kevin De Bruyne, they haven't had Sergio Aguero all season. To be able to do this is is massively impressive. It's a credit to the team. I think Gundogan has stepped up. Phil Foden has stepped up. John Stones has been incredible. He's like a new player. It's, it's hard to believe that that's John Stones. Um, the whole team. I mean, Ederson kind of, I think he was not criticized last year, but I think a lot of people were like, oh, he, you know, he's really good with his feet, but he's not that good with his hands. He's not that great. I think he's been excellent anytime City have needed him to come up with a stop this season. And his ability with his feet, creating a goal in this game on his own, like, is something that I would say Tristegan and Neuer are close, but I just I think Ederson's like another level when it comes to his ability to contribute to the style of play is just insane. But yeah. I don't want to go off on City forever. I, I said my <laughs> spiel. I'm very happy. Let me say that. I am very, very happy. We're down to 29 minutes, Jimmy. We got to wrap this up in 29 <laughs> now. All right, uh, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess we should talk about Leicester a little bit because they were the most recent team to defeat Liverpool. Uh, a 3-1 victory. Mo Salah scores first and then three in succession from Leicester and uh, a particularly bad mistake from Allison. Uh, yet another one. I just really, I wonder what it is with this Liverpool side and Allison. I know uh, I was listening to the men in Blazers and I think they said that Liverpool this season have had 13 or 15 different center back pairings. So, I mean, that, that's pretty insane. And I know we've talked about this plenty of times where, you know, you take a Fabinho out of the center defensive midfielder and you put him back as a center back. It's almost like you're losing two players. Yep. And I think this this season, COVID, these things are all compounded injuries. And Liverpool have just, they felt it. Well, I agree completely. But I do want to point out, if we're talking about center back injuries, let's talk about Leicester, who have, so yeah. is now back, but they've they've lost Fafana for an extended period of time now. They've lost Justin now for the rest yeah, of the season. That's a bad one. Like I, if they're on the TV, if I turn it on, I see West Ham. I'm watching that game, which I cannot believe I'm saying, but it's really true. I very much enjoyed any time I've put their game on. We've talked glowingly about Soychek, who's been awesome. Um, I, I think Rice is. We everyone knows Rice is a very good midfielder. He's probably not going to be long for West Ham. <laughs> Shock. Mm. Jesse Lingard actually looks like a good signing. Right. He's really solid since going there. Um, Bowen, who I've been kind of critical, is a good player. I think my criticism of Bowen is he's he's so he Bowen, he's so close to being better than he is. If he just was a little faster hmm. and a little more clinical, I actually think he'd be a great player. But he's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like about West Ham. It's just so funny the expectation almost like uh, a Sheffield United where you expect them to just be basically done and dusted. And then they come out and put out their best season that I've ever seen West Ham play. Um, so yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm always excited to watch them play this year. They have a lot of good, strong players. I think that a good way to describe West Ham is they're just strong and solid. Yep. And, uh, I think they might have a real chance to make the Champions League. How crazy would that be to see West Ham in the Champions League? David it just doesn't Moyes. seem right. David Moyes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about United. Uh, they sit in second place, the title challengers, on 46 points. 
And then they go and they draw West Brom. Because what could be more Man United than beating a good team like West Ham and then going and drawing West Brom? Uh, they scored in the second minute West Brom. And then from there, Bruno Fernandes put in a fantastic goal uh, on the 44th minute. And then United couldn't break through. West Brom had a few late chances. United, uh, this is what we expect. I mean, it's just, it's almost sad if you're a United fan to have the, I think, tapered expectations when you start the season. Have them go top of the table and be losing your mind. And then it just immediately went away. Almost like Spurs title challenge. It lasted for, I think, three or four days and then it evaporated instantly. Yeah. I almost would rather have no title challenge, like Arsenal. I'd rather almost be relegated, like Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're United, you still are in second place. But, I mean, you've had three draws out of your last four games. Um, just, it, it, we, we, they're what they, we thought they were, to use the, the, the Dennis screen. They are who we thought they were. They really are. We never thought they were that good. We said they're good. Like, they're good. They're going to make top four. I think we went that far to say, like, in this season of like a mess that it is, they're good enough to make top four. They're they're right in there with Leicester, with City, and we, at the time I was very confident with Liverpool. I still think Liverpool are going to make top four, so I think that's your top four most likely. Chelsea now could maybe throw a hench into that, a wrench into that, but I think United are a very good team. They're just not they're not a title winning team. There are missing pieces to being a title winning team, one of which. And it feels hard to criticize the manager for the second place team. I still <laughs> am not convinced that they will ever win the league with with Ole as their manager because I just don't. I don't know. For me personally, that's how I feel. Yeah. Like I, I'm not at all surprised that they go through these peaks and tra- trolleys, valleys, valleys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> peaks and valleys. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we've we've beat Ole to death on the show a few times. And like you said, it's hard to criticize the manager who's sitting in second place in the Premier League. But it's just like that's that's the the cap for Ole, right? I mean, like they're never going to win a Champions League with him. They're never going to win the league with Ole. He's just not there. The team, I'd say the team isn't really there either. They're actually overachieving this season, I think, from what we expected of them. Um, But it's just... I wonder if you're a United fan, how satisfied you really can be right now. And I also wonder, like, what does one Bruno Fernandez injury do to this team? Like, does that just end everything? If Bruno's out, do they have any chance of winning? Well, the only thing I would say is some part of me thinks if Bruno was out, they'd finally actually play Van de Beek. Oh, yeah. I think Van de Beek is actually a really good player. So maybe that's what it would take for him to finally get a chance to play. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, uh, but interesting nonetheless. United always, always interesting and fun to talk about, at least from our perspective. Yeah, I, I do want to say for West Brom, I mean, they're done, right? They're done. Even the great result, but like I would say, because the thing that we haven't really talked about, and this is probably the one team I'll, I know we got to talk about Arsenal, but the one other team I want to talk about, because I want to try to be good and keep it shorter. I do want to talk about Fulham. We have to talk yeah. about Yeah. Yeah. Fulham uh well we had a a uh, a cameo from Josh Madja. Yes. The man from Sunderland till I die. Uh, you know, I heard the name. I was watching it uh as I was working out. I was like Josh Madja. 
And then it clicked. I was like, oh, Sunderland till I die. And then he went to the French League and he was tearing it up, uh, at least in Sunderland till I injured. die. Yep. Yeah. And I think he got injured and then it kind of led to his, Comes you know, back and scores a brace on his debut against Everton. I, I don't know what to say. He was he was fantastic. He, he was, was involved from early on, too. Uh, like his name kept getting called. He was in the box. He was very close to a lot of scoring chances that Fulham had. By the way, Everton were terrible in that match. Uh, and then Fulham also had one player who really impressed me in that match against Everton. I'm going to try and find his name. Uh, I think it was like Harrison or something. Reed. Do you mean mm-hmm. you don't mean who? Do, Harrison who? Reed. Yeah, Harrison, Harrison Reed. Okay. I didn't uh, know if you met my boy Bobby De Cordova. No, he's he's solid. <laughs> Uh, but this kid was just a ball of energy. Uh, so be on the lookout for him. I had never heard of him before. I don't know if this is like his first game or something starting. I'm 26 years old. I'm looking him up right now. So he's not yeah. young. But hey, hey, he, when it, he whenever it works, it works. He looked great. Um, but anyways, back to the original point. You wanted to talk about Fulham. Is it because you think they're good enough to stay up? I Here's the thing. I don't know if they're good enough to stay up. But what I know is that... They at least look like they're gonna give it a fight. Like I feel like I, I I feel like Sheffield too is trying, but the problem is Sheffield dig themselves dug themselves such a hole they cannot get out. Fulham have a chance. They're six points back, which when you're six points back and you only have 19 points in the season is a steep steep hill to climb. But when you look at when you look at Newcastle, you look at Brighton and Burnley and Crystal Palace. It's like I don't know if those teams, they definitely have more talent, but I don't know if they're so much better than Fulham. I just think, like, Fulham have been, they're, they're really not that bad. They they were so bad at the beginning of the season defensively, and they dug themselves a big hole, but I think they've been a lot better defensively. And I just think, like, Fulham are a pretty fun team to watch. They're yeah. a frustrating team, I'm sure, if you're a Fulham fan. I definitely can see that. But, I mean, so if you look at their last few matches here, they got the 2-0 victory over Everton, which is huge. Um, They got the 1-1 draw with Burnley, which is a good result. A a win there would have been massive. But Mm. to get get the draw there is big. They had the draw with West Ham, who we've just, you know, talked very highly of. Um, And then prior to that, they had, which this is the one where I think they're going to really kick themselves and probably is very frustrating for the Fulham fans, was the 2-2 draw with West Brom. But I, I just think, I don't think, honestly, if you told me, do pick today your bottom three, my bottom three stays the same and Fulham go down. But I, um, I'd i be happy to see Fulham stay up. I mean, who who would I want to go in their place? I mean, if Steve Bruce stays at Newcastle, then probably Newcastle. But, <laughs> but Newcastle's got some wins lately. I mean, they beat Everton too. So yeah. uh, they beat Southampton too. So like you, you can't hate there. But um, I, I just think Fulham have been a lot better. You know, yep. we haven't really talked about them in a while, so I since, just wanted to say that. Since they played Spurs a while back, that was really their breakout game where where you saw life. You saw Scott, Scott Parker uh, kind of be a little bit more inventive. And since then, the team has really been pretty solid. I mean, they haven't lost many matches. They're just not winning enough. They're drawing a few that they really need to win. And uh, I have hopes for them to stay up. I'm hoping that Burnley go down instead of them. So, fingers crossed, Burnley goes down. Everyone wins. You mean uh, Chris Evans' Burnley? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sean Dyche. 
that Sean Dice, they somebody they said he looked like somebody's like, Yeah, I hear I look like Chris Evans. Oh. <laughs> Love that. Sean Deitch. I hate that guy. I hate that fucking guy. Uh, and lastly, let's just talk about Arsenal and Leeds. What a fun game that was. Arsenal four, Leeds two. Arsenal go up three nil before halftime. Abamyang hat trick would eventually come. Uh, I just want to say it's so nice to have Abamyang back. It's so nice to have him scoring again. When Abamyang scores, the only player that I would say gives me more joy to watch score is Bakayo Saka. But watching Abamyang just it just fills my heart with joy, Jimmy. And I knew right from the start of this game. I almost tweeted it, Aubameyang hat trick, uh, and I would have looked like a prophet. Uh, he just looked so sharp right from the beginning. They couldn't keep up with him. Uh, that first goal he scored was vintage Aubameyang, just getting on the side of the box, doing a few step overs and putting it bottom corner. Great. Saka draws a penalty soon after. VAR calls it back. By the way, did you see it? Uh, I did. I don't know. Right. I don't right. know. So they call it on the field. It looks like a pen. It's soft. Mm-hmm. Right? It's soft. If they didn't call it, I wouldn't look at that and be screaming for a penalty. But when I watch the replay, I say it's soft, but I guess it could be. I don't think there's enough to overturn it. I really don't see how they overturn this. Sure enough, a 10-minute review, they look at it, it's overturned. I mean, I'm not saying nothing, Jimmy, but if it's not given to Arsenal. I, 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 I mean, if it was, it was given to it, Leeds, it, it would have stood soft. for any other fucking team is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. It was soft. I mean, it would have stood had, for any other fucking team. There's no reason to get worked up over it. No, because later, because Anthony Martial, no, because Anthony Martial literally dove and it was given a penalty. Uh, and Benarek was given a red and a nine nil victory. But Bakayo Saka goes down under contact. And it's overturned. I, I mean, the consistency, the the calls against Arsenal. Oh. I mean, the favoritism against this team is just fucking unbelievable. And there's no such thing as consistency with the referees in this no, league. There I've, I've beat that horse to death. There is no consistency. It's different from game to game. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Anyways, I'm disgusted by it. Like you said, a few minutes later, Saka draws another penalty because the ball don't lie. Uh, Leeds goalie, Meslier. I don't know how to say his name. He's bad. I've seen him play multiple times now and I've come to the straight up conclusion that he's not good. Yeah, uh, I know I don't like people think he's good. Like I know I've no. seen things with people saying he's good. Anytime I've seen him bad. Yeah, bad. Not at least not good. Definitely not good. No. Um he I, I think it's also his face instills me with no confidence. <laughs> I need a goalkeeper to make that I think this is why I love Ederson and why I love Joe Hart. Was like these are goalkeepers who you look at their face like that guy gives no fucks. He is not going to let a goal be in his net. He's just not going to let it happen. And then you get like a Claudio Bravo or a Mezzalier and you're like, these guys, these guys, they, they, they don't believe in themselves. How can I believe in them? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is with him. I think it's just if you pressure him, yeah, he, he struggles. Well, it's like your boy, uh, Runnerson. When I watched that game against, <laughs> when he played against City, I'm like, this guy... Literally does not believe he could save anything. And you could just see it in his face. And that's kind of how I feel when it comes to Mezler playing with the ball. When he has to like, and I'm guessing that's, he's probably pretty good at it if he's playing in the Leeds team. 
Um, but he just like there's moments where you're like, oh god, this could be really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Aubameyang steps up. He slots that one home. Uh, and then Hecky B. Hecky Bellerin scores a phenomenal goal. Um, it starts off with an incredible run by Bakayo Saka at the top of the box. Then it's worked back around to Danny Ceballos, who megs the leads defender to Hector Bellerin on the corner. Bellerin puts it short side. Great goal. Great half. Uh, it's just fun to win. I guess that's my analysis of the first half. It's just fucking fun to score goals and win. Uh, and I don't get to see it often. Uh, so it felt great. We score again in the 47th. Aubameyang completes his hat trick. And then Arsenal have to make it a little bit interesting. <laughs> Leeds come back. They score two goals. I just want to say, the 58th minute, the header, strike. I don't know who this man is for Leeds. He yeah. came in, and he scored a fucking power header. <laughs> I watched it, and I just said, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's just a man who wanted it more than anyone else. <laughs> I was fine with it. Uh, but Arsenal did hold on. Oh, the Coster scored one too. Yeah, right? we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> Arsenal hold on. Um, and uh, a fun game. Finally, a game that lived up to the billing. Arsenal versus Leeds. A game that you would expect to have goals. Uh, and it did, finally. Fun game to watch. Always fun to watch Leeds. People, uh, every time Leeds lose, people like to bash Bielsa. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with with the game plan here. It's just you got beat by better players. Like Saka was terrorizing whoever was playing down the right. Uh, I yeah. think it was Alioski. And then uh, Aubameyang was terrorizing the defender that was marking him. It's just sometimes uh, you get beat by man. Yeah. And, and Shackleton. <laughs> it's a funny name. Oh, I know you're frozen. Oh, no, I'm here. Oh, oh you, you literally look like you were frozen. That was craziness. <laughs> I was looking at my phone. I was trying to see. Because Ailing was out that match. But... No, Ailing played center back. He huh? was playing center back. Ailing was playing center back in Shackleton. Oh, I'm thinking of Calvin Phillips. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ailing was playing center back. Wrong, wrong dude with the uh, right. man bun for right. the team full of man buns. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say about this Arsenal game. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, phenomenal again. And Martin Odegaard looked stunningly good, especially with Danny Ceballos being but- paired with him. I was going to say, the best thing he did was woke Danny Ceballos up for his slumber. Yeah. Oh, listen, <laughs> when Danny Ceballos is on his game, like, how good is Danny Ceballos? Yeah. He's very good when he seems to be awake. <laughs> he is. He is. You want to talk about peaks and valleys. Danny Ceballos <laughs> is uh, an interesting target for that. But the rumor is that we might be getting both of them from Real Madrid this summer uh, on a permanent deal. So that I would love that. I honestly think both of them are solid players. I mean, I haven't seen enough of Odegaard, but from yeah. what I've seen in Danny Ceballos, even with his up and down form, I think he's worth 25 million. I mean, yeah. we sold Alex Awobi for 35, so uh, yeah, <laughs> What does that tell you? But uh, uh remember remember uh Rion Brewster was to what 30 million or whatever he was. <laughs> 23 or whatever it is. The robbery of the year. Uh but anyways, Jimmy, before we get into our preview uh, of the mostly soccer derby and then our prediction because we are coming up on time let's hit these twitter questions quick we had one from steven gould he said your take on the europa league ties uh at neutral grounds and also as it relates to arsenal do you think the focus is on the league or do you focus on the europa league or do you take it one game at a time so, so let's start ahead. let's start from the neutral grounds do you think that matters i think it's weird 
I think it's weird. I don't. I don't think there's a better solution. But it's not just Europa League 2, it's Champions League 2. Um, for example, um, I know Liverpool played on neutral ground when they were playing Leipzig. City are going to be playing on a neutral ground when they're playing uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so there, I, I think it's it's weird because it gives an advantage to teams like City, like Liverpool, because if you're playing your away leg on a neutral ground and then you get to still play a home leg, those those away goals are they're not really away goals. Like right. I granted that being said, playing against at a home stadium that doesn't have a crowd is not such an advantage anyway. But like if City go and score four goals in Hungary, which is where they're playing, if I'm Gladbach, I'd be pissed and be like, this is that's not four away goals. It's just not. So it's weird that they're doing it for one game and not for both. I feel like if you're doing this neutral ground thing, it's like both games need to be at a neutral ground and just make it. Or just play one game. I, I don't know how to explain it. I, it's weird. I don't think there's an easy solution, but it's like I feel somewhat unfair for these teams that by no fault of their own, because it's government rules, it's nothing to yeah. do with the team, they have to lose a home game, whoever they may be. It, it just seems a little unfair. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, I think your first point, though, that without the fans, is it really that much of an advantage to be home? I guess it is because you don't have to travel. Uh, the pitch is different everywhere you go, but um, my take on neutral grounds is that I don't really think much of it aside from what you said. Like, if you lose a home game, it's rough. I agree with that. Um, but as far as Arsenal go, I mean, I think you just take it one game at a time and you put a little extra focus on the Europa League because that's your your ticket into really your ultimate goal, right? Which is the Champions League at this point. And uh, to win another trophy, I mean, that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, I mean, I, I always want to say take it one game at a time, and I think Arteta comes from the Pep mold where that is kind of the key. I mean, Pep, every game is the most important game, whatever whoever he's playing. I mean, you saw it in the Swansea game where he played basically the whole starting lineup. Right. Um, it, it's, but for I would agree with you. I mean, if you're Arsenal, that's your best way into the Champions League. If you want to be able to afford to buy players like Odegaard and, and Ceballos, you need that money. So I, I agree with you with that. Yeah. And then the next question is, uh, I don't know, this this is a weird one. Soccer Junkie asked us, why do so many soccer coaches in the USA, or why are so many soccer coaches in the USA douchebags and narcissists? Is this like because of Jesse March's comments when he was talking about like being an American coach in Europe and how hard it is? Because I know some people kind of mad about that. It's like, oh, they always have to make it about themselves. No, and I didn't hear any. I, I saw that. that. I don't know if it's due to that or, I mean... I think what I would say to it is kind of to his comment of there's not that many U.S. managers that get to go to Europe, that get to go and try to succeed. I think if you're an American trying to be a manager, I think you have to be arrogant. You have to be cocky because nobody else believes in you. So you just have to believe in yourself. You have Mm. to have that like because that's what a lot of the greats have. Like, look, think of Cristiano Ronaldo as a perfect example. The most arrogant fuck you've ever met. <laughs> and it's worked the hell out for him, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Like, that's what you have to be sometimes. Some people, you have to be like, I know I'm great. I'm going to show you how great I am. And somehow that's what you have to do. And I just think if people aren't believing with you. Sometimes you really just got to build it yourself. I'll say this. David Wagner. Nice guy. Or at least he seems like a nice guy. I yeah. don't think he's a narcissist. Uh, it doesn't uh, work great out for him, though. At all. Just feel that's the true. Us, it's so. true. Well, maybe that's why. Uh, <laughs> and then I think of Bruce Arena, and he is a douchebag. So I would agree with you there. Uh, um, but anyways, Jimmy, let's get into our predictions and preview. And I think we just need to start off and, and talk about 
the Mostly Soccer Derby coming up on Sunday, the 21st, 11.30 a.m. Arsenal versus Manchester City. What's there to say? What's there to say? I have one question, Michael. Yeah. Are we going to watch a game together? I haven't yeah, seen you should. in person forever. <laughs> we, are we actually going to watch this game together? We should. We definitely should. Um, let's plan on doing that. Uh, but but the thing is, like, I don't even want to watch this fucking game with you <laughs> because I know how it goes. I, I already know the story. We're going to be down by four before halftime. And that's well, not fun. <laughs> no, that's not fun. Why do I want that? I do want to let you know that the thought is Gundogan will be healthy. Kevin De Bruyne is back. Came off the bench. I know. 